If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Uh, yes, Michael Cohen, uh, I sent a text or sent a tweet out about 10 minutes ago saying we had to move up the show to noon instead of one. Sorry about that. But well, you're not going anywhere anyhow. You're in jail. <laughs> Imagine a guy in jail complaining about us starting a show on time. Yeah, and you have no credibility at all. You 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 were a lawyer for a, for a piece of crap for, for 25 years. So what the yeah. hell? We're going to be accountable to you? Come on. Uh, we'll start with the we'll start with the free show. Go ahead, Russ. Let's go back. Let's go back to the seventies, the good old seventies. Let's go back to when the NBA and the ABA merged. Let's go back to when the New York Nets owner Roy Bow sold Julius Irving, the best player in that league, and soon to be one of the best players in the NBA for two and a half million dollars straight cash to the 76ers, ruined the franchise. At that point, I said as a young kid, the Nets will never win again. They are cursed. I didn't put the curse. The curse was you sold your best player, literally sold him out. Players were mad. They killed the owner, rightly so. And, yeah, the Nets got maybe close once. Maybe yeah, twice. The, the Buck Williams years and then the twice, King. yeah. And so now they'll they'll get close again. But if anybody wants to know why the Nets aren't going to win it all, this is why. It's really bad karma, and I just I still believe in it, and it's held up all these years. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I don't unless they make another move to add because I, you know, I mean, I I don't really follow the NBA that much, but obviously with the you know first they get Kyrie and Durant yeah. and then trade for Harden, and I you know paid way way too much for Harden. Um, you know that that combination of the three. This isn't this isn't Bosch, LeBron, and Wade, no. because LeBron and Wade sort of complemented each other. Big man and the guard, and then Bosch was the third wheel. That was that was pretty a pretty good role player, so to speak. Yeah. Here you've got three guys who want the ball, right. and there's only one goddamn ball. So I mean, look, Harden used to be a point guard at times, so he could distribute it. But but at the end of the day, I kind of look at it like this they don't play hard defense no and even though there's no defense right now in the nba when the playoffs start it gets a little more contentious right and i think that's where they'll fall short but i'm just saying this this is something like imagine nowadays if like cleveland sold lebron to the lakers instead of getting any assets in return what would happen i'm sure it would be denied anyhow but just it's a crazy situation. I, I can't think of another situation like that in a major sport in the 20th century. You know, certainly that happened in the early 19th century in baseball all the time. And Babe Ruth, I guess, was the early 20th century. But, in the, you know, in the mid to later 20th century. Well, King Clancy was sold by the Senators to the, to the Leafs back in the 20s. Or 20s. Yeah, early part of the 20s. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, there, there are examples of that in... But not, not like in the 60s or 70s. No, 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 no. I mean, it was... Yeah, I mean, not, not many examples like that. Uh, but And then you were getting on the border of when free agency came along, that came along in the mid-70s, so then, you know, there's there was that ability for the player to determine where they wanted to go by themselves. But I'll tell you right now, I think unless you're a Nets fan, everybody's rooting against Brooklyn. Everybody wants them to lose because now they're like the evil, they're the evil empire. Now they've added, you know, three big, big ego guys. I mean, I don't think Durant's as big an ego as the other two. I'll say yeah, that. No, I mean, I, I think Durant's is different. He, yes. His ego is performance. He is a great player. And I think he thinks he's the best or one of the best players. And, you know, He's won championships. He's a great player, but he has every right to be to believe that. But Kyrie has been a sidekick with LeBron. Mm -hmm. He was a disaster in Boston. 
now he's been doing what he's doing in Brooklyn, and I don't care about the social conscious stuff. And no, no, but he's a moron as but far. He's a, but, but you know, it's like okay, you can you can give money to George Floyd's family and play. You don't have to sit out for a, sit out for a month and you expose yourself to COVID at a birthday right. party and right. not be socially conscious. It's 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 a it's a load of crap. That's dumb. I will, I will say I, I can't call Kevin Durant every man, but I did bump into him at a Best Buy in Philly because I went in there and I was going in there before a Flyers game and he must have just finished practicing with the Sixers and he was in Best Buy. So there you go. It's tough not to notice a guy who's six foot eleven. I, was, I I noticed him right off. Like he was leaving, and I just looked straight up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's Kevin Durant." You know, was, yeah, <laughs> I'd seen him before once at a game when the um, they used to have the uh, the not the what was it called? I forget which tournament they called it. It was a pre a pre college season tournament that they would have at, at MSG in Texas. Played there. And so he, Kevin Durant, was there. So I actually had a chance to see him. You know, wasn't it? Wasn't it like the pre, 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 preseason NIT or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. And then they were there, so that's that's the reason I recognized Durant early, in the early part of his career. Now, of course, everybody knows who he is. Although, you know, if you collect Kevin Durant rookie cards, I do have one. And there, you know, what team is he on for his rookie card? Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, yeah. He was drafted by Seattle, but I don't think he ever played a game for them, right? Never. So yeah, no. Um, um, do we want to talk about the other thing we were going to mention on the pre-show, the the the, the gym? Yes. Thing? Let's talk about that. Okay. Because I have a list. Go ahead. So okay. we want to talk about. We don't know what gym class has been like in the last you know forty years or so, but we used to do some things that I'm pretty sure would be outlawed now in gym, and it was part of the regular curriculum. I will start with. Crab soccer. If you haven't heard of that, it's like a giant. Think of a like a soft volleyball, like a hundred times bigger, and you're laying on your on you're sitting down and you're kicking up with your feet. You're moving the ball with your feet. So guys would occasionally get kicked in the nose. You'd have bloody noses. You know things like that would occur. Okay, we go to the vaulting box where you know I would say for a week in every gym class they would try and get us to be gymnasts so they'd have to horse out and the vaulting box. And you had that little, that little platform, the vaulting platform that you that you had a hit, and it was like spring loaded to get over the vaulting box, right? Because nobody could get over it otherwise. And they teach you how to do a move to do it. And a lot of guys would hit that face first, like they would they would just face plant in the vaulting box. I saw teeth get moved, teeth get knocked out. That was a regular occurrence. Then you had the rope, the famous gym rope that you had to climb. I would say. How many feet up will we say that is, Mike? 15? 20, at least. 20. Uh, no safety net. They had padding. You know, there was gym, there was padding down below. The teacher scared you into not finishing. You had to go to the top and put your hand and touch the metal and come down. And inevitably, you got burned on the rope. It didn't matter how good you were at doing yeah. it. And you're in shorts. And so you got you got rope burn. Rope burn on your hands and on the inside of your yes. thighs. Yeah, you're, which is really bad on the you're inside. Cli of you're climbing with your legs and your hand. I, like I have to, you know, yeah, uh, confession time. I got up about maybe two feet and that was about it. I, <laughs> I, I, I was terrible. Climbing. I'm not sure I ever finished it either. I I was very good at pull-ups. I was like second in my gym class for and that. I, hate, I, hate I don't it. know if I ever finished the rope. I hated these friggin' people that hey, oh no problem boom and they climb up all the way to the the, the the whole 18 feet and touch the metal clasp on top. Yeah, I was hoping I they would disconnect themselves and fall 18 feet. I mean, the only b bone I ever broke in my life was playing dodgeball, and that's because I used to play the front line because I could literally catch anything you would throw. And I was a smaller guy; I was probably like five foot three for a long time and like 120 pounds, but. I was good at catching the ball, right? Because I played a lot of baseball. So all these big guys, they would try and throw it. And one day they just hit my finger and it broke. But if you think about 75% of the eliminations in dodgeball, you hit the guy in the head. I would say at least 75% of the time, once in a while you hit someone in the back, right? Yes. You remember getting hit in the head in dodgeball? Definitely. Yeah. And um, and I got one more with hockey. Okay. So we would play hockey and you would the goalie would stand against like the, you know, the gym – uh, the chair, not the gym chairs, but the benches, you know how they used to recess, you know, so you push it back and it's just like a wall. That's where the goalie would go. We'd have the orange Milek puck and we had plastic sticks. And I'm telling you that 
we used to shoot high with that puck. Like whoever played net, it didn't. They didn't have any padding. They well, literally were there with the same stick and everything else. And I, I used to feel bad. It was like a shooting gallery. Well, I told I told Russ that like uh, in fifth grade, you know, this was like the the height of my uh, sporting career <laughs> as as a preteen. Fifth grade, I was on a floor hockey team at the at the uh, team at the school, and the, the two best teams in in our floor hockey gym league got to play in front of the entire school as a, basically as an assembly. And I was, of course, you know, being the being the ham that I am. What position Norm were you playing? Normally, I played goal, and I love playing goal. But there was a guy who was better than a little better than me at playing goal, and I played defense. So the okay. only thing I could do on defense. Um, because I wasn't the fleetest of foot, but I, I would, you know, I would block shots. Okay. I, I, you know, I took advantage of the fact that we were on a gym floor and I slid and dove in front of every possible shot. Uh, you know, so I blocked and, you know, I was getting the oohs and ahs from the crowd. And then I went a little bit too far because, um, the net was set up at the end of the, at the end of the gym, uh, with the padding on the walls and in the corner, you had the two doors you had the two uh, uh you know with the bar and the metal bar in the middle the two and with the exit sign on top and i got a little too over the top and checked somebody through through the door can't imagine you getting over the top on anything mike oh, it's really no. out of character well, let me let me just share this quickly and then we'll get started here because i mm -hmm. mentioned this when we were talking about this last night and i have to share it just for everybody's um <laughs> Everybody's pain. Watch this guy, and they tell you talking about the, the the vault. Watch this guy and the and the uh, the uh, mishap that happens. He runs down and boom. Oh. <laughs> and that's off the horse. The horse is very unforgiving. Oh my god! It oh. just yeah, it was. I saw that on like a George Michael sports machine, and they used that thing. Every like, I mean, that was like basically the agony of defeat for that show. Yeah, the vaulting box was a little higher. It did have padding like that did, but the horse, oh. it's all wood, and they're yeah. all all wood. Like, I'm, surprised that, I'm surprised that guy didn't like break like multiple like like Drew Brees broke broke multiple ribs. But okay, we'll start the show here. All right, uh, X should be joining us any moment. Oh, nice. Hello, hockey world. Today is Wednesday. February 3rd, 2021, the day the music died. <laughs> how, how do I follow that? Like, that's – it died in 1950, okay? Whatever. Whatever 59. year that was. 59. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Thanks for taking the show down, Mike. And in tribute, I'm wearing my Buddy Holly glasses. This oh, is Mike Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. And we'll start with some breaking news. Breaking uh, news. Not big news, but just – Peggy Sue got married? No. Yeah. <laughs> Please, just as a sidelight, you see, because uh, we had that movie in the movie theater, and it was Kathleen Turner when she was rather young and rather attractive. And I saw a movie with made with her about two years ago, and oh my god, how how oh uh, yeah, please, it's just it's 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 a travesty to see how one so beautiful became one not so beautiful. Um, but you know, such is life. I used to be more. I used to be beautiful. Well, sometime. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, Braden Colburn has been placed on waivers by the Ottawa Senators. Um, you know, this is not totally unexpected because the Ottawa Senators are, what are they, 1-9-1 and one now, I mm -hmm. think. Uh, they lost last night to Edmonton, and Colburn was acquired as part of that sort of salary dump deal, um, bringing in Paquette and him, and, um, you know, it was – Trading off the uh, the injured players so that Tampa could get out of the cap. Um, you know what the old saying is, Mike. They'll be bad with them. They'll be bad without them. Right, and they and they and they have young defensemen in their system like Eric Brandstrom, who they might want to get time for. I wonder whether, I mean, whether Coburn gets picked up. So will he get picked up? I, you know, I think there could be a team. I don't think the Flyers will be that team. I know people are going to generally say, would the Flyers do that? I don't think the Flyers are going to do that because I think at the end of the day, he can't play on the top pairing. He might be able to fake uh, being like a number four for a few minutes a game, but I don't think they'll do it. So do I think a team will do it? Yeah, I think somebody might. They might look at their long-term projection and say, eh, if we use Coburn seven, eight times in the regular season, but kind of have him hanging around like – 
Remember how St. Louis had Delzato hanging around? Right. And Delzato didn't play a, a lick in the Stanley Cup. I'm not sure. Did he play in the playoffs at all for them? I'm not he sure did. he did. I don't think he played a game. Right. But they somebody might pick up Coburn for those reasons. He was part. He was part of their uh, their uh, black aces. That right. They, so you know, it's possible someone will do it for that. Now, Cole, I'm look just looking up Coburn's salary. I think it was in the, but it was less than two. One uh, seven. Yeah, one seven's kind of high now, though. So, but so, but if okay, if Ottawa agrees to retain a little, right? If they agree to retain half. You know, you could get a fourth round pick, fifth round pick for Coburn. Right, as an eight hundred and fifty thousand dollar defenseman. Yeah. Maybe he goes. Maybe he he gets traded someplace. But I. But at one seven, I think you're right. I think nobody. Yeah, one seven is too high for him. Yeah. Now we'll start with that game because, you know, I have to say, I mean, I like I said, I, I feel a little sorry for the Senators because they're just getting it from for the Senators or their fans. I feel uh, sorry for their fans. I feel sorry for their fans. All six of them. No, there's a lot of Senators fans. I know people in Ottawa. You know better than that. Yeah. There's a lot of Senators fans. Uh, Joe Innes is a Senators fan. You know her, so yes, I do, and I feel sorry for her. I I, I try to convince her to come over to for, from the. Yeah, dark nobody's side. coming to the dark side. Yeah, but uh, but no, I mean, okay, this is this is the thing. I mean, the Senators are one eight and one. They want What's that winning percentage now, Mike. What's that winning percentage? One hundred. <laughs> It's a 100. Think about the last time you saw a winning percentage like that. You know, 20 I want hey, to the Leafs to the, the season Leafs, for any team. The Leafs under Ron Wilson I think started like 07 and 1, so I can't really, you know, I mean, but okay, th but this it's is the thing. And I heard I heard I heard, I heard Dave Poolin on Toronto radio this morning um in terms of asking, you know, why why the Senators are playing as badly as they are. And for all the talk that we said during the you know, before the season about them, well, they may be better than people think because they brought in, you know, they added Gelchenyuk and they brought in Stepan and they brought in Paquette and Coburn. And Poulin was of the opinion that you brought in eight or nine new bodies, some of them that probably didn't even want to be there, some of them that, um, you know, are playing out the final year of their contract. They didn't, come, spring, yeah. Yeah, they didn't come to Ottawa to like, okay, we're going to get the, the centers in the playoffs. This is like, you know, the penance they had to pay before getting the free agency. And they, you know, they did that because they didn't want to rush some of their young kids. And we, I get that. And I agree with that. But at a certain point when it's not working now, I think you start, you start after thinking about, start to think about getting work for your kids and maybe the Coburn waiver is the first move of that. Yeah, this is still a long-term project. This is the Eugene Melnick plan of, oh, we're going to be competitive next year because he he pushed a date in the future and was hoping for the best. It's not going to happen. They're not going to be a playoff team next year. They're yeah. still years away. They Again, they have to start obtaining veterans to mid- to long-term deals to start working with these young players and mix them and and, and combine them together. If you don't, it, you see what the Edmonton Oilers have gone through. Uh, you're going to be on the same path, Ottawa Senators. Yeah, and now uh, the Oilers are now at 500. But I, again, that's I'm going to write about this uh, a little later on. You've got two teams in the North Division that I think their records are so are are really um, how should I say it? Not accurate in terms of. The, how good of a team they are. I mean, I, I think Edmonton is a terrible team. I think they're not, they're badly put together. They have, they have talent, but it's not throughout their lineup. And, you know, they've played Ottawa a couple times. They played, uh, um, you know, they played, they played Toronto four times and those are, and they've split with Toronto, but their schedule has been fairly, uh, fairly easy. And they're six and six. Montreal, we'll go to them in a minute. They're seven, one, and two, and they're you know they've played Vancouver, who's struggled five times. But so, again, and this, you play you play who you you play who you're scheduled to play. You, you do that, and also Vancouver last year in the bubble was a very good team. So like, you know, again preseason, I did pick Travis Green to be the first coach fired, and then when I saw the Rangers start the way they did, I'm like, maybe we'll be David Quinn, and I backed off it a little. Green's job could still be in trouble here because there's a lot of expectations in Vancouver. And I and can we make the argument that if there's a change in 
and coaching and philosophy, could they play better? And I think I think they could. I think they're definitely not playing up to their capability right now. Well, Vancouver's coming off. They played Montreal three times in Vancouver. Now they played Montreal twice in 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 Montreal. They're coming to play three in Toronto uh, starting tomorrow. I, I you know I would have to say if they if they lose two of three, Green might be in trouble. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's that's a definite. Now, and, just, just getting to the, this game specifically, uh, Pugliarvi scored his first two goals of the season. Um, he was he was on. I, I know that they toyed with him on a line with McDavid early or late in the uh, Leaf game on Saturday. I I don't think you're going to get the value out of Pugliarvi if you're going to play him on the third and fourth line. You have to play him with skill to see if he you can do. Play. And he had a couple goals, like you said. But you do have to play him that way if you do. I mean, again, he is not going to, like, be the guy to start your third line and make them, like, a scoring line where you have all of a sudden extra scoring. It's not going to happen. Right. He is a complimentary player. Right. And it doesn't matter anymore that he was taken third overall. I mean, now, yeah. now Jake's asking, what is Vancouver's problem? It's very simple. They don't play defense. Yeah. Their team defense stinks. They can move the puck. They're fast. Mm -hmm. But their team defense stinks now, and I think they're hanging their goaltenders out to dry. They are, oh, really they are. absolutely are. So I mean, that's, I mean that 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 was clear. I mean that was clear last night. And going to this game, uh, the Habs win five to three over the Canucks. Um, in the previous game, I saw like a number of just clear cut breakaways. Mm -hmm. Um, last night to Foley score, you know, to Foley, if, if Foley could play Vancouver every game, he's oh a 70 God. goal score. He's got nine goals this year and eight of them are against Vancouver. Now the fact, like, again, the fact that the Canadians have played Vancouver five times in 10 games. Yeah. And just think of it this way, folks, they've played them five, five times in 10 games. Now they won't play him. They, they won't, they'll play them four times in the remaining 46 so that's why I'm saying I think the schedule has been beneficial to Montreal, and it won't end with it there because Montreal plays Ottawa the next two games. So I mean, you know, they could very easily be nine one and two after those two games. But they were looking pretty good for my uh, prediction there. But they're good. I mean, we knew they added depth. We knew adding guys like Toffoli, Suzuki, getting a year older, all those things were going to be beneficial to them. Uh, I'm not going to vote Jeff Petrie for the Norris because Kale McCarr right now is the Norris guy for me, but it could be Quinn Hughes again too. Quinn Hughes is 14 points on a on a lousy team, and he's more than a point a game as a defenseman. Uh, so I get what you're saying about Jeff Petrie. He's a good defenseman, but he's not at the level of those other guys. He's got points, yes. He's got 13 points. I get it in 10 games. We'll see what happens during the course of the season for him. But, you know, McCarr's got 12 points in 11 games. But if you watch McCarr, uh, it's just crazy some of the things he can do on the ice. So, And, well, and somebody in the uh, – Funky in the chat saying they, that Vancouver misses Tanev. They miss Tanev but to play because he played with Hughes. But they also – they're also missing, I'd say, at least one or two defensemen. I mean, the, the Hamannick is hurt. I, I don't know if Edler is, is back yet. Edler's playing, and he is – and he is blocking shots, but not the same way he used to. He's blocking one or two a game, right. and he's getting two or three hits a game. And they need multiple guys doing that on their blue line, and they don't have it right now. Yeah, now Pedersen scored a goal, scored a goal yesterday, so hopefully that he's got four goals, which isn't bad. But you know, they they need him to be you know the Pedersen of last year, where he was just incredibly creative and dangerous and you know his offense is basically a defense in and of itself because then the other team is afraid to sort of counterattack because he's so quick and so talented so i don't know i mean you know i was talking with uh, somebody and they said you know, you know of course of course vancouver will straighten things out now they're going to play the leafs three in a row so all of a sudden they'll find all their offense um the the debut of Patrick Line as a Columbus Blue Jacket last night as they take on the Dallas Stars. Uh, Stars win six to three. Have to say, first of all, the jersey didn't work. No. The third jersey. You know, I I saw somebody online said, "Oh, you know, okay, uh, great great jersey by or you know, great third jersey for the Blue Jackets." It looked like the Washington Capitals jersey. It really did. Yeah, it did. It did. I don't like it. Um, just, I don't know. 
why why did they do that? I don't I don't understand. Well, I, I mean, we know why the league did it. We know that they did it strictly to make to make some money, you know. But I think they would have been able to make more money if the jerseys had been good. And there have been very few and far between. Like I mean, I know that the LA Kings jersey was we saw last night was pretty decent. You know, the there was the blue. It was the uh, the purple. Oh, well, forum blue and forum blue and, and That's gold. That's what Dave Taylor told me. Yes, and uh, so it was forum blue and gold, and uh, they're beautiful. Uh, yeah, the, with the with the king with the the Gretzky Kings emblem, and I thought it was good. I thought it was pretty decent. I would get a pillow sham set with that. I'm not just saying, my, I'm not a you know, not a, a my pillow sham set. No, no, listen, don't go there. He's got his own problem. Yeah, he's opening his mouth. That's his problem. But uh, now, uh, Line A played over 20 minutes. He had two shots on goal, and he two, was two. two shots. I mean, I get he hasn't played in a while. So if people want to give him a little break, that's fine. But I'm telling you, when we if we're going to talk about Patrick Laine as an all-time goal scorer, I can't tell you how many times guys change teams from other teams, go into a game, and they take, you know, six, seven, eight shots. He probably took a few more that didn't hit the net. But I gotta tell you, he took one on a one-timer that was as shaky as if I did it. The way his puck, the way the stick hit the ice, and it like reverberated, like. Yeah. Now I checked. No, in I don't out. know if he's in sync. I don't think Patrick yeah. Line is in sync. I checked in and out on this game, and I had, yeah. I heard that they started him with uh, Alexander Texier as as his center, and I'm like, okay, you're not giving not really him, helping him. No, you're not giving him the pretty good. But I mean, they don't have a number one center, but you should probably put him with Max Domi, but. If you're not going to do that, then I don't think you're helping out Line A. And I think that, you know, eventually he's going to say, get me the hell out of here like half the other people who have been in Columbus say. My answer to Cam is if you like the Columbus retro, buy it. Anyhow, um, when my, my big problem here with Columbus, I'll, I'll get off the Line A thing. We will give him a little more of a chance. Yeah. Their goaltending stinks. It flat out stinks. Both of them stink. And they're going to have a problem making the playoffs with this goaltending. And yeah. that's that's a complete 180 from last year because Lickens and Corpusello were excellent last year. It was a good one-two tandem. Corpusello was lights out against the, the Leafs and Tampa. I know. So I mean, it's it's a, a little shocking, and that that's got to be something for for Torts because I mean that's that's how they're going to win is good goaltending, good defense, and occasional offense, and. They're, you know, they're not getting. They're doing the opposite of that right now, Mike. Yeah, I know. If they're not, if they're not getting the goaltending, you know, you're not, you're not going to generate tons of offense with what they have. I mean, Line A will score goals eventually, but they're not. They're just not going to be a team that people are fear that fear, you know, because of what Boone Boone Jenner's coming down the lane. It's like it's you know they're they're a nice player, but nice player. Nothing wrong with them, but I just I look at Columbus right now and. I thought they were better than this. Maybe they'll start to do better. Luckily, the division stinks, so they still have a chance, and that includes, you know, Tampa just hasn't played. If Tampa played a lot, they will run away with this division. I don't even think it's going to be close. Now, Dallas is hot, so maybe Dallas will be the team that stays close to them, and, and Carolina is off to a good start. But, there's, you know, that's the this is the prototypical division where you're going to have, like, three or four good teams, and the rest are just bottom feeders. And, and I have to say, the stars. I mean, where? I mean, this is the Joe Pavelski of the playoffs. He's got seven goals. You know, Gurionov is playing well. Ben is, you know, playing pretty decently. I mean, Pavelski had five, had four points last night. Um, Really, it's, I mean, it's like I mean, I'm almost ashamed of the 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 prediction I made at the beginning of the year because I thought like it was be a come down reality from me too, um, but it's only seven games in, so you know, right? We'll, but it's just I mean, and and Jake Ottinger got the win yesterday, so you know, maybe that means they'll start using him more. They have the most; go- they're tied with Chicago for goals, twenty nine in that in that division, which is a lot. It's a lot for anybody. Pittsburgh has thirty. I mean, it's a lot. It's a but again, will they keep it up that clip? I don't know. But again, I still say with Carolina, Florida, Dallas, Tampa looking good, Columbus, Chicago, Nashville, Detroit, they're all going to get those wins from them. So it's a four-team race. This whole division, you could lop off the other four teams. I'm sorry if you're a fan of those teams, 
but you, you're pretty much going to be able to lop them off, and it's just going to be a matter of well, when we looked at the who comes we, out on top. When we looked at the beginning of the year, we said this was clearly the worst division. Yeah, I thought, I thought the Central was the worst division. It is. No, no, but I mean, I right now that the East isn't as good as it should be. Right. But I think it will get a little better. But this is the worst division, I think. And again, we'll just see. We'll see how it all plays out. But when these top four teams <clears throat> start playing each other a lot, that's when we'll know who the um, the good teams in the uh, division are, I think. Yeah. Now, a game that we watched a significant portion of, and you wouldn't think that looking at the score being two to one, that it was any kind of really good game, but it was, and that was Colorado. And oh, it was a great game. Now I, I'll tell you something. I'm, you know, I, I, you know, I have my campaign for Caprice off to win the Calder, which I think is, is a very, very likely based on what we saw last night, but We've been waiting and we've been talking, you and I and I have been talking about Minnesota and these four, three or four players who needed to come up and and be something for them to be good. Yep. And it hadn't happened, you know, Cunning was one of them and he gets traded. But, it, you know, it's Jordan Greenway, it's Joel Erickson Eck. You know, they Kaprizov was in the KHL, it was Kaprizov. And you look at him and you look last night and – Greenway was basically like a snowplow going. Yeah, to the he looked so good. Joel Erickson Eck has been playing fantastic, and Kaprizov yeah, yeah. with with that the goal that he scored. I mean, boy, with and the veterans that they they have surrounding those guys, this is a really good. The only thing I question with them is I don't think Cam Talbot is a really number one goalie, but yeah, I agree. But th that team looks that team looked even though they and, lost, and they're going to get Zuccarello at some point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing too. You know, he's like a really key player for them. He is. No, it's a, it's a, and they're really, um, they're a fun team to watch. They are. They, they have they a new characteristic. You know, I agree with you on Cam Talbot. I, I don't, I, but they have this, you know, they have a couple. Kakano, but I don't think they think he's ready. That's why. Yeah, they're not really like first yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to that. Now, um, granted, now granted, granted. Colorado was not at full strength. McKinnon was not in right. the lineup. I think Eric Johnson was not in the lineup. They were missing some key players. Uh, Grubauer played pretty well, and I. But I still, I, I, you know, Russ, we were both looking at that team, and we're both saying, "Wow, they're good." And yep. boy, is Makar great. And the the, I don't think there's a question about their their ability to score. I don't think mm -hmm. there's a question about their depth. I don't think there's a question about their defense. The only thing is the question about the goaltending, but it doesn't mean that they're right. not a good team. It's just that but Grubauer had a good game. Like you can't possibly no, look no, at no, that I, game. I said he had a good game. I, I think, think he's there. Yeah, good. That's I think good. Grubauer is better than a lot of times what people yeah. say about him. Well, he's got to prove it to me. He's, he's very athletic. I've seen him in different stages of his career, and I've and I thought he was a good goalie. Right now, that blue line is just something, though. You watch McCarr, yeah. you you watch Gerard, you you watch Bowen Byram, and you have Ryan Graves, and you're thinking, man, they don't even need Eric Johnson. But when they have Eric Johnson, that's really yeah. good too. Like that's, I'm telling you, the way they move the puck, there's nobody in the league that moves the puck like they do, except for maybe Edmonton with their top line. And yeah. there's the way they control the puck. There's nobody in the league that controls the puck. They have yeah. the top differential. I look, I. I think them and the Habs are still the best two teams, and I'm going to stick with that all year. But really? I'm just saying, when you look at this team, it's hard to find holes in it. I think the Habs, them and the Habs are the best two Yeah, I do, and that's why I picked to go to wow. the Cup this year. So that means something will go wrong, you know. Well, I, yeah, of course, no, but I mean. I, picked it. I had a quick question for you guys. Does my microphone sound okay? Yes, yeah. you're fine. As yesterday I was watching the show afterwards a little bit. Um, it was cutting was in and out a little bit. My, I yeah, am now. Your, your mic's good. Strong. Yeah. Yes. Yesterday it cut yesterday out. Was, yesterday was really weak. I mean, if that happens, you guys just. But if you guys, I didn't it, notice it. Yeah, when I was listening to it, I'm like, geez, it sounded. Yeah, it sounded I didn't muffled. notice it at all. It sounded muffled and weak. I'm just making sure okay. that this, yeah, this it one sounds, sounds, it sounds fine. Okay, you guys had like way more presence in your voice than I did. All right. Oh, okay. That's cool. just me. We're sorry yeah. for just better. We're sorry. All right. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um. Uh, Montreal, I would, not, I would not put them as one of the best teams in the league yet. Um, I mean, they're they're, they're strong, but that's a, that's a biggie. Well, that's we, a biggie. We, and we were we were just talking about that. And it's well, like, the record says it. Like, what else do you need to see? Right, here's the thing about records, and I want to bring this up because I think I really do feel it's like I said, like I said, 
to you, Russ, before, and you know, because you and I are able to watch the games live, and Mike isn't. We have yeah. a really um, serious advantage there, um, and uh, and we and we've seen the level of play rise, you know, mm-hmm. um, and in a big way, like a really substantial way, and 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 I, part of that is also because we get to sit closer now. I think that we also get that also helps to see the speed changes, like uh, the speed this the speed of the game. Is, is is way of course way faster when you're lower towards the ice, um, but the, also the differences in the speed of the game are way more noticeable, and I think that that's something I've noticed. Like in the first couple of games, you know, there was slower hockey. Now it's it you know the other night against Islanders was really fast paced hockey at times. Mm-hmm. Um, tonight against the Bruins will be a, the same thing, I'm sure. Um, but I feel as if you know you know every preseason we um, we see like teams like have these great runs, like they like ridiculous yeah. preseason runs. We're like, you know, it doesn't mean anything. They're six zero in the preseason or whatever. Yeah. They do this thing. But some teams just like and those teams, the one thing they have in common usually is their younger teams, um, with guys trying to make the lineup, newer, mm-hmm. newer teams, newer players. Um, and I I'm gonna say the first ten games of this season were almost like that. Now I'm not saying that you won't be able to get off to the getting off to that start is not going to help because it is. But I want to see where Montreal is in 20 games. Like because okay. I think I have a feeling that we're going to see like a regular season thing click in with some of these players, especially some of the older players. Um, we've already, I've, you've definitely seen it. Like the best example on the Flyers, at least because of watching him live, whatever, is, is Giroux. Like Giroux's game between the beginning of the year, he was like, I was starting to think, man, this it's guy's better. Yeah, this guy's totally done. Like, yeah, I, you know, and it's not for, not even points. It's just the things he does away from the yeah. away from everything, you know. Well, um, but yeah, I think that I want to see now because I think the preseason's over, well, and they will those teams be able to hold it in as, as we go. Okay, well, I, mean, I think that's fair to say. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's like like you were saying, mm-hmm. uh, the first ten games of the regular season in a normal eighty-two game schedule. And this is why the Leafs always get off to a great start. Everybody's playing sort of like they're figuring out how to play. Right. And the, defensively, they don't know where they are, and it's wide open, and it's you know and that's why you like see you know teams like Buffalo sometimes just jump out. Because they can take advantage of teams, right, right. But then, by I would say by the thirty or forty game mark, by the halfway mark of the season, teams are almost in playoff mode where they're playing tough in terms of letting players go to the net, in terms of denying right. entries into the zone, all those things. I think that it's probably going to take a little longer this year in terms of yeah. like now you have fifty six games. I think it's going to take long, like probably to like the thirty or thirty five game game mark because these teams had ten day training camps yeah. and no pre preseason to organize themselves. But the teams that have the advantage right now, I mean Toronto has Toronto has an, Toronto has an advantage has an advantage before the start of the season. Bro, that was crazy, <laughs> Mike. You just did it. you just turned into Max Hedrin for a second there. I did. Really? Right. Yeah, you went yeah. Toronto has Toronto has Toronto has Toronto has. You were in a loop there. Really funny. Wow, okay. because, because I was gonna say Toronto um, practiced together for a mm-hmm. month before the beginning of training camp. Right. right. So yeah. you know they had they had the advantage of of, of being yeah. more aware of what you know, and and I think got off to a pretty good start because of that. I, the the thing with Montreal, and I was just saying to Russ, they played Vancouver a hapless. Yeah. Defensive Vancouver five times in ten games. I want to see what what they are after twenty five games. But like the next two games, they're playing Ottawa, so they're going to get two more victories out of those games. Yeah, yeah, and and they will. And, 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 and you have to take advantage of the bad teams and the bad teams in your, in your in your division. But in the North, I only, I think there's only I think there's three bad teams. And ooh, Vancouver For is now. Right now. I think Vancouver is not going to be a bad team now much longer. I think, well, they're, maybe, here's I the think thing. they'll get it together we were, as it goes along here. We I think we're talking about this, Eck. Yeah. Um, if they lose a couple more games, Travis Green will get fired, and they'll be a better team for a different coach. Yeah, that's true. That's very possible. And 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 it, it is just an example. They are better than their record. We all know it. But if they don't prove right. it soon, I think there's going to be a problem in Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver is suffering from losing losing their goalie, like who was a big guy, who was a big player on their team. You know, I mean, the, like you said, the Demko thing. Um, yeah, I don't think the goaltending. I don't think the goaltending. goaltending has been as it's not like I said. Sometimes it's not like how the goalie plays. It's 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 more of like it's not whether he's good or bad. It's more of just like general feeling the team has the way they play around it, like the okay. confidence they have. Um, you know, if you really trust your goalie fully, like Montreal can fully trust their goalie. It'd be that's, nice if you laid a few more hits and blocked a few more shots. Yeah, right, right. It would be, but if you can fully trust your goalie, that's a that's that changes everything. It just it just changes everything. You know, whether that goalie is playing well or not, you could your, your offense might be better because you're just going to take more chances. Things well, like I that. also think again, uh, there's a drop off 
from Markstrom to Holpe. Holpe is not nearly as athletic. He's not nearly as uh, dynamic when you need to make these crazy saves with mm-hmm. a team that's not great defensively. That is not Holpe's thing. Yeah, and look at the look and at Demko's that a positional co- goalie too. The one thing about the Geer Harris most terrific Northern Division is that they really they have this ability to. I mean, you have to be a little bit acrobatic because you're looking at a lot of skill, like a whole lot of skill coming at you. Some of the some of the most skilled players in the league are going to score some beautiful goals. If you're not acrobatic, if you're not able to go side to side quickly, you're you're in trouble. I mean, this is like you know you because you, you, you're either going to be facing McDavid or Matthews or Drysital or you know every you know or Peterson. Or, or look, I mean, look at what Johnny Gaudreau is doing this year, you know, um, who would have thought, saw that coming? He's doing really, really well. And, you know, he's, he's, he's just take, he's taking over and there's so much skill level that you need. Well, I would say I saw it coming because when everybody was else was bailing out on Gaudreau, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I picked him to win the scoring title. You guys forget that? I did forget that, but all right, good for you. <laughs> and then our little, in our little pre, in our yeah, little yeah, yeah. with Kevin I'll Allen. Go, I'll have to go back and review the tape. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Um, but uh, anyway, so that you know, I'm just, I don't, uh, this is the bigger problem, Mick. Yeah. Even for again for Holpe, right now he's at an 896, but he has already had to make 189 saves. That is probably like third in the league. Koskinen yeah. is first for the shots against. That's too much. Holpe can't do that for a whole season. That's a lot. He's yeah. not that guy anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't he shouldn't? I mean, Demko should. They should be pretty much a 50-50 team. I think they but, should be, but I don't know if they are. Yeah, and then when it gets down to it in the playoffs and the pressure and everything like that, you know, what will they be um, in the win- yeah. in the pressure wins? I mean, it is a bizarre division. I mean, look at like Edmonton, just they're racking up points like crazy against Ottawa. You know, you go and play Ottawa. Everybody I mean, racks up points against everyone Ottawa. Racks, yeah, but I mean, those guys particularly yeah, like their winning percentage is 100. Yeah, the, sc- the scoring title, <laughs> the scoring title is, is like, you know, if, if with McDavid playing Ottawa that many times is just his, you know, there's just no, there's no. Yeah. The art Ross, but I will ask you about this. So I was asked about this on Sirius yesterday and I felt like it was a legit question from them and it made me think for a minute. And then we sort of broached it a little yesterday or not yesterday. Mike and I were doing it off offline and yeah. here's the thing. So when you're in that division now, there yeah. are, it, there's this high Canadian concentration of players, reporters and stats Yep. I feel like there's going to be some insulation going on there as to vote voting around the uh, league yeah. for the rest of the awards. That's a really good point. And I do feel that because again, I feel a little isolated just from watching some of the other teams, and I'm making my making it my business to do it. But you have to admit the way these divisions are, it's yeah. easy to get lost in the east or easy to get lost in the central. Or easy, yeah. right, Mike? I think it's easy to get lost in these divisions. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, I know that. Like, I've, I've heard reporters who cover the Leafs saying that they're they're really fighting to watch other divisions because they're just. I mean, everything is Winnipeg, yeah. Calgary, yeah. Montreal, Vancouver. That's all they have to concentrate on is six other teams because that's the that's the teams that the Leafs or the other teams in the in the division are playing. So it's yeah. natural. But the only the only thing I think is. You know, if if you're using Petrie and Makar as an example, even though Petrie plays yeah. for Montreal, he's an American. Mm-hmm. Makar is Canadian, mm-hmm. and he's, play, he's playing for a team that everybody thinks is one of the best teams in the league. So that might right. eventually balance things out. And plus, do you think Jeff Petrie's gonna be leading the Canadians no. in scoring at the end? No, of the no. This is like I say. This is I really. This really feels like when you look at the stats, it really feels like a preseason statistic thing. Like it feels like it feels like you're looking at the stats at the end of preseason. And you're like, wow, that's real. Petrie, nah, he's not going to get you – know. so that's why you got to see how this plays out. Like, I sure, really feel it's – well, yeah. In his career, I think the leading goal scorer in October – you remember Brian Savage who played for mm-hmm. the, the Canadians? He, oh, always, yeah. he was always in the top yeah. ten at scoring in October, and then he would yeah. drop off the face of the planet. Oh yeah, I and mean, he would he would kill it in preseason too. Like I it was because you know remember I'm in your hockey drafts and sitting there and you're looking at the preseason stats and it, I was always a sucker for that. Like I would always oh you would do that. I, I would yeah. bite too far into it. I'm like ah oh, man, you know he's doing, and I'd always get screwed. You know as a kid, I remember that so much, so many times. Like, that him drop, him in, drop him in November. That's what should. Yeah, been. and I I'm still as I have to say still a sucker for preseason sometimes because um you know in my predictions if you look back. I tend to be very good the first couple months of the season. Like, you know, there'll be surprising things that are at the top, the teams are doing that I predicted to do well. But yeah. eventually, 
they don't like you know but in the beginning of the season i tend to have this like and I don't know why this I, isn't a regular season. It's not, it's very different. And the and, schedule is going to show that more and more. Like yeah. we've probably, I don't have a number, but I'm going to say fights are on the rise by like 15%, 20% already. Yeah. Because yeah. these teams are playing each other so much. And if yeah, we still talk about that, that's, really good one. that's a really good question because a really good point. And I want to talk about the dynamics of a, of a hockey fight in an empty building. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like it, okay. So this, for all sense of purposes, Russ, we are watching men's league games. Like we're watching, re, we're watching the like, best men's league in the world. In in the sense that there's no fans, yeah. right? The sense that there's no like if you ever been, if you ever sat, you know, gone to a men's yeah. league game or whatever, for or a even friend. some of the world junior games, especially in Buffalo. Right, right. So, um, you know, to me that there's there's that you know. So you're watching these, and you know, men's league fights it's always it always amazes me when you see guys like get into a fight a men's league game like or you know they usually get obviously there's no fighting allowed in those leagues but they get kicked out of the league often but though you'll see it but the emotion of like when you can yell from the bench you know to your guys fighting yeah. or, or you know and and you, they can hear everything you're saying and all that stuff that's going on you know i i wonder the dynamics of fights in empty buildings and how They're that still trying to sell this to us act that there is a a big lift for the team and maybe Simmons did it once for the Leafs, but I have to tell you, most of the fights I see, I don't see a lift for either team. Well, no, in we, this talked scenario. About we talked about it yesterday. The Trent yeah. Frederick lift. That changed. The yeah. I mean, that, I think that I, I think the lift might be more. I'm, and, and I'm, you really think it's more. I, 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 I think fans, it, I can't say it's more. No, because, yeah, fans, the, because here's the difference. Here's the difference. Here's, here's the difference. If you're a home team, and you get in a fight, and you win the fight, that's a huge lift for you. But now, it doesn't really matter if you're home or away. Whoever wins the fight gets the lift. Like, if if, if you if the away team would win the fight normally, the, the, you know, that's a lift for that team, but the, the crowd's quiet. It's not, it's it's a lift. But the, now I think that the, the lift comes either way. So if the, the fight really doesn't matter home or away as much. Well, the, well, it all sense. It also it, it also is the time of the game. Sorry about that. There's something going on in the background. Mm-hmm. It's also the time of the game. Like, okay, Simmons' fight with Sherratt in the opener against Montreal was when the Leafs were down, I think, three to one in the second period. They scored a couple power play goals. He got a, you know, there was a penalty on the, yeah. on the initial penalty. They got a power play goal. They tied up the game. They ended up winning the game in overtime. And every player on the Leafs after the effort right. said it was it was a turnaround. Frederick yeah. got in the fight with Wilson. It was three to two Washington in the third period. Boston scored three goals. They won five. I, I, you know, I think that it's the time of the game. And sometimes it doesn't even matter who wins the fight. If it's basically, if you're behind and some guy gets into a fight and even if he loses the fight, it shows that there's some fight in the team. Yeah. I think the time of the game is meaningful as much as who wins. No, I think the game. time of the game matters here. I've got a fight log and Right now, this is only from the 23rd. So there have been a ton of fights. Right. Tyler Myers, Joel Edmondson, first period. Yeah. Nathan Blow, Michael Haley, first period. Roussel and Watson was third period. And that game when it's no, yeah. just third period. Zach McEwen, Austin Watson, third period. Mark Stone, Falk, second. Sherratt and Kachuk was a third. Felino and McDermott is a first. McEwen and Brady Kachuk was a third. Van- Yanni Gord and Dante Favreau was a third. Patrick Maroon and Boris Morieski was a second. Getzlaff and Clifford, the first. Howden and Kasperi Kapanen in the first. That Wilson one was a third. Last night, Comper and Rao was a second. And McDermott and Delorier is, is, is also um, a first. So I, so I will preface it and say the first period ones aren't doing much for their teams at all. No. The but, dynamic between a first period fight and a third period fight. I think Mike's right about that. Is very different, you know. There's a different dynamic there. A fight from a first period could be it could be a carryover in the back-to-back games. That's possible. And when it's a fight, and what's a fight between McDermott and Delorier, two fourth-line grinders, nobody really yeah. cares. But when a guy gets beaten, legitimately beaten in a fight, and there's no fans in the arena, I think yeah. that affects you. I think that affects your bench, and I think that affects everything. Like, and you know, well, McDermott won that fight against Delorier, ninety-three percent. They lost the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not to say it's going to. I know, but I'm just saying. It's just- I just think you know we can all do debate. You know, the impact fights have on games, but you know, in general. But I, I just I think that 
it is fascinating to watch a fight in an arena where there are no fans. Because in my opinion, part of the fight thing was the fans. Like that was like that was why you fought in a way was to get the fans going or or knock the fans back, you know, or whatever you were trying to do. Um, that had a, that had an element to it. Without that, it's just pure hatred and anger. Um, and you're not going to see staged fights without fans. I think that's the other thing too. Like I think stage fights also have to do with fans. I really do. I think that also plays into it. We have to, you know, I'm counting up the fights here. Nine, ten, eleven. I haven't, I haven't really seen any staged fights though. Have you? I mean, I've no, seen, seventeen, eighteen. Not really. Twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. There's about twenty-five, twenty-six fights already. That's a lot. So so the two, dozen, fights. Two, two dozen fights in three weeks. Yeah, I mean, Dude, and the fights and, and, come down. Every year they come down. Every year they come down. So this year they're going to go up. No, but, but, they're, but they're going I, up. Yeah. I, this year they're going to go up even more because you're having teams playing each other double the times that they normally do, and these are teams that are going to play potentially play each other in the in the playoffs. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna see an increase, a notable yeah. increase. And honestly, that's the hockey I grew up on. I don't think it's bad. No, no, I, I don't like think it's bad either. So Earl in the chat room says, "Well, Delorier set a good tone with the Ducks for the fight, but he lost the fight." So we're just talking about guys who won or yeah. lost the fight. But X right sometimes when a guy fights and you know he's not going to win, yes, the team could get fired up. But Delorier fights. It's not yeah, like yeah, a guy right. that doesn't fight. That that was like yeah, that was a legitimate loss to another heavyweight, basically. Right. You know? It was that two was heavyweights. Crazy. When you're when you like if Travis Konechny fights a heavyweight, if he fights Tom Wilson, yeah, your team's going to get a lift because they know he's going to get slaughtered. Right. Right. We haven't now. It's interesting things about this rivalry is we haven't seen some of them yet, really. You know. Right. Honestly, well, Evans and, and Calgary haven't played yet. I don't think they play Saturday. Yeah, they haven't played yet. They play. They their first one is. Do they play Saturday and is it Sunday? I'm not sure. They play. Oh, they just they just have a one off on Saturday. That's really interesting. Yeah, they have a one off on Saturday, and then I'm trying to. I'm trying. I'm looking at Edmonton's schedule. I'm looking at Calgary's schedule right now to see when they play Edmonton again. They'll play till the 19th of February, where they play back to back the 19th and 20th. So, um, well, yeah, we haven't seen the Devils in yet. They're in next week. Yeah, Toronto, yeah right. Toronto, Toronto, Toronto and Montreal played opening night, and they haven't played since. Yeah. Right. So here's an interesting thing about the Edmonton-Calgary 19th and 20th. It's back-to-back -back nights, but in opposite buildings. No, um, they don't have to travel. It's a home-and-home. Right. It's a home-and-home game. It's a home-and-home right. home home series. But, you know, we have that's another, that's another dynamic. Well, that's we a baseball dynamic that now you have in hockey. Yeah, so when's the when, – when does happen in hockey once in a while. Like the Rangers and Bruins but, have done that. But it does that's, happen. That's like that's like Buffalo Buffalo and Toronto playing a home and home. All they have to do is get right. here back. They can actually get on a bus because it's not yeah, it's not eight hours. I'm not <laughs> using the bus it's even more so with a, with a Philly area. I know about the bus. I know. In our area around here, you know, it's even more so because you know in the Philly area, my gosh, you know, there's we on a bus in Seattle, but Mike forgets anyhow. But you know what's interesting about that is man, and you know what the NHL.com page is not working again. It's really funny. Really, um, I am shocked. I know this page is not working. A little sad guy. Well, um, I just need this. I was trying to find out the whole concept of like because so far in in this division, where you have teams like the Islanders and Rangers and Devils who are literally in the same place, um, I have not. We have not seen back to backs in opposite cities. Yeah, right. It's just, it's well, just they, they just go to one place and play there. That's why I think, like right now, even though I give Montreal full credit for being a much improved team, and I think they are, and I think they're going to be a playoff team, and I predicted that they were going to be a playoff team. I don't think, you know, you've got the Montreal honks right now. Basically, you know, planning they're planning the parade parade route around around uh, the in La Belle Provence, and I'm just like, okay, cool your Jets because you've played yeah. Vancouver five times, you've played yeah. Ottawa. Your your schedule, your schedule, you know, you played Edmonton twice, Calgary twice. I think it was Ottawa or Toronto once, and Vancouver five times. So and when you've oh, played Toronto five or six times, and you've played Calgary, and you know, then and it's more balanced. Then we'll see how good you are. And I think they're good, but I, I it's like calm down. No, and, and you know, I, I totally agree. And you know, and you know, Florida is off to a good start, but they also played Detroit two of their five games. You know, so it's like, right. I mean, this whole thing. You know, is really you know, who, and who they play before after they play Columbus, who's been struggling. So they played Columbus and they played Chicago. So their five games are one game against Chicago, two against Columbus, and two against Detroit. So they they haven't lost in, or no two against Chicago. Sorry, two against so they're six games. They haven't lost in regulation, but they played Chicago, Columbus, and Detroit. Um, 
that's been a struggle, it's, you know. So it's nice to it's nice to pad your stats. It's nice to you know get wins in the win column when you when you have to against teams that you're better than. But it's not representative of how of how good you are. You've got to be able to be, at least go 500 against the good teams and take advantage of those teams to be a playoff team. And I, I again, one I'll thing for them, one thing for them. If you're if you're following the Panthers, and I've been following this year because they're interesting to follow. Um, Thursday, Saturday, and Monday against Tampa coming up. Three Tampa games. Right. So, well, yeah, I was saying we're going to see what we're going to see what they're all about now. I was say, I was saying to Russ, it's like okay, it's getting even worse for Montreal in, in the sense that their next two games are against Ottawa. So it's like they're going to go nine one and two. They're going to beat Ottawa twice probably. I mean, again, it's like until they face the Winnipeg's with Hullabuck, until they face the Leafs, until they face team, you know, the the breadth of the North Division. I can't yeah. really de- to, to determine how good they really are. No, and I think that I think that that's that's really true. The interesting thing is, so so normally if you get out to a really good good start like Montreal's, like say they're nine one and two, then you can you're coast. Not, you're in the playoffs, right? But yes. normally you're in the playoffs. I think I'm not so sure you are this year, and I'll tell you why. Because when you're playing against teams every night that are in your division that are trying to knock you out, right? That's going to be different. Like before, you're in, you could coast and you're playing a Western Conference team, you could get that yeah, at least every, that point. Every game is a four point game, so yeah, right, yeah, so yeah. That, 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 that I think that's a good point and a valid point, but let's just yeah. say if they maintain a 500 or slightly above record, then they're pr- they're pretty they're in pretty good shape. Then they end up with you know if they're nine one and two, and then for the rest of the you know that's t- the 44 games they go 22 and 22 with a couple loser points in there. They're they're in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know now. Coburn is on waivers. Braden Coburn's on waivers. Um, again. Yeah, we, we mentioned it off the top. A question we had, and get your opinion is, do you think anybody will claim him? And Russ and I thought that the only way that they think they won't claim him because he's making one seven. But if if I'm the if Flyers, if Ottawa, if Ottawa retained, do you think they could get something for him? I think the Flyers might. I, if, if I'm the Flyers, I would. I would do that. Um, just because he's well, he's a veteran guy. He's been here before, obviously. And he and he can, he's a good he's a guy who could help. This this defense needs that. But but Russ pointed out that. One sec, Mike. I'm sorry. Right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Russ pointed out that Coburn can't play. He can't be the Niskanen replacement. He can't play top pairing minutes with Provorov. And right now, that's really what they need. You know, they Gostaspir is not a good fit, and Braun is not a good fit. So you know, right now, they and they. You know, there's not nobody available that they can plug in to fa- to replace Niskanen's minutes, and that's what they really need. They can't. You know, so, I mean, maybe they pick up Coburn if they have the room, but Coburn is a four, five, six at best. So, you know, they might claim, and maybe they claim him if if you know, or maybe they trade for him if Ottawa retains some of his salary. But I don't know. I mean, I I think that's a move that. I, you know, maybe down the line they might do it, but who knows? Um, while X gone here, I'll just mention this, and probably we'll talk about this in the next couple of days. I know Pierre LeBron wrote about this in the Athletic. Um, the you know Team Canada's roster for the Olympics, and it's, it's too big of it, a potential roster for the Olympics. It's too big of a subject to talk in the last few minutes. But yeah. the, the the news came out today that the uh, Team Canada's management structure is Doug Armstrong as the GM, the GM of the Blues. Right. With Ken Holland, Ron Francis, Don Sweeney, Roberto Luongo, and uh, somebody from Hockey Canada named Scott Salmon. Um, right. Now, you know, you've got a lot of GMs there, a lot of experience there. Um, the thing now, like I said, we'll talk about this on future shows. You look at the list that Pierre Lebrun has uh, put together for Canada, and I think there were a couple exceptions that, but, but it, you know, it's going to be a freaking ridiculous team. And they're building a North American style ice in Beijing. It's not going to be Olympic, so that's going really? to be a big. Yeah, Didn't not, know that. not. Yep, they, they just announced it yesterday. It's going to be North American ice, uh, the size oh. rink. So that's going to be a big that's advantage. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's going to be a big advantage for the U.S. and Canada. And apparently, they said in the, in in the, in the piece that I read that the KHL is going to be going towards. A North American style because it makes them be able to be more capable internationally of beating Canada and the U.S. when they play internationally. 
and you can sell more tickets. You can, I mean, you get more seats. I mean, you get, you get, you get yeah. smaller. It's smaller. You can, you can add seats. You know, by taking that out, you know, they're going to add seats. So it's going to be, that's interesting. Um, I, I, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on both sides. I, I think that I'm a bigger fan of this. I'm definitely a bigger fan of the North American arena, but I kind of like the coolness of the Olympics not having it. I always thought it was you kind know, of fun. LeBron made the point, and it's right. If you remember, okay, Canada won the Canada won gold in 2014 in Sochi. Yeah, they won the Olympic style ice, and Babcock basically played a one-zero. Played a yeah. played, played you know no risk, no you know like one four checker. Yeah, keep everybody to the outside. Don't allow any scoring chances. We rely on our power play and yeah. win ugly. And they won ugly. But the thing is, for, for on Olympic ice, that's possible. On North American ice, it's not. You can't exactly. do that. It's a great point. It's a great point. Um, yeah, I mean, I I agree. So tonight, tonight's only only two games tonight. Um, so Detroit and Tampa. We talk about padding stats. That's going to be a fun one for Tampa, potentially. That's at five thirty. So there's actually you can actually it's a double. We have a doubleheader game, doubleheader night if you if you want to watch some early hockey and late hockey. Um, and then the then the game of the night I guess on NBC is Philly and Boston, which is the one I'll be at. And that's um, that is uh the two top teams in the division. So it's going to be a fun one. Um, potential there. They they came off of a split that they had in Boston. We need a new we need a new term for this like a. We came off a three two Boston split. You know what I mean? Because they got three points out of the split and the Flyers got two. <laughs> so it was a three-two Boston split in Boston in that. Yeah, in Boston. yeah it's um, difficult to really, you know, like, well, well, they, they lost, but they got three of a possible four points. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, it's like it is a three-two split, you know. And I think that that's kind of that's maybe that's how we should refer to it. Remember, you heard it here first, guys. If people start doing that on Sportsnet and stuff like that, you heard it here first. That's the way we're going to refer to it now on because it matters a lot. It's not just like they both split. Boston actually came out with one more point out of that series, which is big. Um, the Flyers play Boston Wednesday and which is tonight and Friday, so um, that'll be fun to watch and see what see what's going on there. Uh, Morgan Frost is done for the year. Um, yeah, he had, he had uh, shoulder surgery. It was a dislocated shoulder, so but that's a loss because I think he would have uh, you know been in their lineup and maybe helped out in the well, bottom I six. So. I mean, I was so in the two games I got to see him play. One game I saw him live in. Just actually two games is on live and just really super impressed with this kid. Like he's um they're all kind of different, you know, the newer kids. Like at first I was the Farabee and Frost trying to figure out they were they both they're both like similar in some ways and different in other ways. And it took a while for me to like grasp what was different about them. But really what 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 is kind of different is like Frost Farabee's more of Couturier ish. Um, not he's not Couturier, but he's got more of Couturier type things in him, um, where he's smart all over the ice and he's and he's and he makes good plays and he he makes to shoot more than Couturier, which is good. Um, Frost is definitely a Giroux clone. Like he is, that is what he is. He's he's very Claude Giroux like. Yeah, Frost has has the, I think he has the combination of the speed and the hockey IQ. Um, the questions with him were always early on in his junior career was getting stronger. I think he has gotten stronger. And yeah, which you know, is really true. Yeah, it's the same question. And, and and now you know, with he's, it's going to be like a six, probably a six to seven month recovery period, which would put him basically back for yeah. training camp next year. That's probably why they figured, okay, have the surgery now and don't try to yeah. get him through the year. So he'll be back. Yeah, right. for I mean, I think camp. next year he's going to be a force on the team. Like I think you'll see him as a as a as like a guaranteed roster player, and because um, he was he was working. If he had played this year, he would have definitely worked himself into that. Because yeah. he just, there, even though he was a injury replacement, there's no question in my mind that he is, um, he's, he's ready for the NHL. He just needs to, you know, now it, this just, this is a really tough loss for him for sure. It's got to be incredibly frustrating for him. Um, uh, and that's all the time we have for today, guys. So thank you very much. I, if you want to check out my blog today on Darcy Kemper, um, I'm going to touch, touch base on that. I've been looking around to try to find out who's interested in him. Um, and you know, we talked yesterday who I think should be interested in him, which is Toronto. And we can go, we, if you want that debate, but they're not, if you want that debate, you can look at it yesterday. Um, not yet at least. Uh, and then Columbus, uh, I mean, not in Toronto and Colorado is a team we all think should be interested in. That would yes. make a lot of sense, but that's, but neither Toronto or Colorado have I gotten any sources that tell me have interest in him where I've, where I'm getting it is from Edmonton, um, Carolina and Buffalo. Those three teams actually have yeah. have interest in him from my source at least that doesn't mean that that, that, buffalo, that makes, buffalo makes a ton of sense because yeah. i just say this carter hutton is done 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. He came off an injury. He played. He cost them points in the in the last game against New Jersey because he gave up goals at the end of periods, at the beginning of periods, and a bad one for the game winner. He's not. I don't think he'd be a nice guy. He's you know got a future in 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 hockey media. I just don't think he's an NHL goaltender anymore. The price seems to be a backup goalie, a second round draft pick, and um, a, a a prospect prospect. A prospect with scoring potential a forward. A forward prospect of scoring potential. Um, that's so. If you know, if you were Toronto, that would be Campbell, a second round draft pick, and I don't know who they have. Um, but, but if you're looking at Buffalo, it's it would probably be Carter. It would be Hutton probably. It'd probably, it'd probably be Carter Hutton, a second round pick, and Casey Middlestep. Yeah, something like that. Um, that's that, that's like the perfect kind of thing they're looking for. Um, the question at Edmonton is if Mike Smith, if they could get convince Mike Smith to go back to Arizona where he's played before. Um, I've heard that would be a possibility. But he's hurt right now, so that's right amazing. now. But yeah, so if he was to be put on like LTIR, that you know, that that's something that would be an issue, issue apparently with Arizona because Arizona needs to take and they have to take some money back, I guess, to get to the floor. It's really confusing, but there is um, I think I heard Edmonton would have to keep some of Smith's money if they make that trade. So I'm not quite sure how that would work. Um, and Everything is so tight right now. That's the problem. It is. But I th- and, uh, and then the other thing is, you know, that we'll get into tomorrow is, um, is Gibson potentially available in Anaheim? Um, because if the price is going to get up there for a Gemper, Anaheim could be looking at this like, wow, you know, because Gibson is no question is another game changer. Um, and, you know, we'll see. We're I gonna- just, I, I, yeah, I just can't imagine, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's all we have today. Thanks so much for hanging on. Sorry I was late today. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. And without hockey, it's just Mike complaining about McDonald's. That's it. (laughs)